Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. There's a lot going on in the tennis world right now. We are all well aware the first Grand Slam of the ATP and WTA season is officially underway in Australia. That's taken up a lot of our attention at Cracked Rackets and our mini break podcast feed this week has been dedicated to recapping each and every night's action, having you guys, uh, so you know, set the scene, the upsets that happened, the biggest matches, biggest takeaways. Keep you all up to date for your Australian Open viewing, but we know tennis is a big place. There's a lot going on. There's still challengers, futures events this week. Even more importantly for us here at Cracked Rackets, ITA kickoff weekend officially about to begin. West off right off the bat. Give me a boo, 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 and some upbeat music. As I mentioned, we here at Crack Rackets can balance multiple things at once, and so we are excited to, on today's podcast to step away from Australia, focus on that kickoff weekend. Joining me to do just that, the two men who join me whenever we're talking college tennis here at Crack Rackets. Let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, one of your favorite writers, the author of our College Contender Series at our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, we affectionately refer to him as Matt the cracks to Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot and welcome back to the program. Hey man, love it man. It's been a while uh, since I've been on the Great Shot podcast, so I'm excited about this, ready to be back at it. You know we at Cracked Records like to go three platforms wide. This platform, the Cracked Interviews podcast, the mini break. We keep it all working, and I figured for this ITA kickoff with all the focus on the Australian Open at the mini break, we'd have this be separate from that coverage. Go with the GSP day. Plus, I always get like to flex those old intros. You know, hey, great shot is where we started, so always fun to flex those muscles, and I'll get to do that one more time because joining us, the third member of our college tennis trifecta uh, here at Cracked Rackets, the four father of the college tennis ranks formula his predictions never far from the listed utr and of course one of the many dames who now roots for the liberty flames chris halioris hey great shot and welcome back to this podcast as well you have now hit all three mazel tov to you hey i yeah i'm starting to starting to feel like a pro even though i'm not allowed to do, do anything with the pros you know <laughs> none of us are that's uh that's half the fun of these shows right and of course uh that, that's true. We keep you away from the pro tennis, although, again, I want to compliment you for any of our listeners who aren't aware. Chris's website, collegetennisranks.com, on it, you can now find all of those players in the live ATP, WTA singles, and doubles rankings, uh, where they're at, what colleges they went to. So cool that you got to do that, Chris. And I, I know you've been tweeting some of them out, but what have been the most fun tidbits as you developed this process, uh, this project? Well, I don't know, man. Golly, I'll tell you, when I was doing the men's stuff, I started finding guys like guys in the top 300 that I'd never even heard of. Right. I was like, what in the heck? And, you know, didn't know they had gone, you know, played college tennis. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and I just had as I just tweeted out when I did the the women and threw the doubles up, 
I have never, I'll be honest, I have never looked at the WTA doubles rankings. And I, I pulled it up and I thought, my first thought was, oh, I screwed something up. Let me go. I got to go look at this because the girls that have just graduated in the last couple years are sitting way up in the top, you know, the, in the top hundred in the women's doubles ranking. So we're talking like Ina Shibahara. She's, she's like 30th. Uh, you know, Ellen Perez is 60. Luisa Stefani is 67. Haley Carter, 73. All these girls that we were just watching play the last couple of years in college are already top 100 in doubles. That was very surprising to me. I had no idea. Yeah, and it's, again, so cool to see. I, I know you've been texting Matt and I, some of the players, you're like, I can't believe this guy went to college. I don't remember him. That's also had to be half the fun of this exercise, just seeing how deep those college ties run on the pro circuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been it's definitely been a lot of fun. So yeah, hopefully uh, and I know I'm getting a lot of we're getting a lot of good feedback for it. You know, people love it. There's, and that's the reason I did it is everybody's always going, where's that list? And I know Crack Rackets, you you know, we'd put up one at some point that was just kind of a static list back uh, back a while a while ago. And so now it'll just, you know, as long as as long as we can keep up on the, the players coming and going, uh, it'll uh, it'll just always be always be there. Yeah, that much like these podcasts are living organisms, so it'll be fun to watch them develop over time. But as you mentioned, there is a current crop of college tenants that we are all gathered here today to discuss. This is one of the supreme weekends of the college tennis season, one of those action-packed everywhere you look at all times of the day. If it's a college tennis stream you want to watch, you will be able to find one, and we are so excited to be doing that just this weekend. We're going to preview the men's ITA kickoff weekend now. Again, it's hard to get through everything. There's obviously a ton of tennis going on in the world, and last year when we did this, it got a bit disorganized, so we have narrowed things down, made it a bit more simple for this occasion. We're going to break it down into four separate questions. We're going to look at the regions that we all think are locks. We're going to talk about those regions where we think there could be upset alerts or potential upset alerts, even if we don't ultimately think the upset's going to be pulled off. We're going to talk about the most enjoyable to watch, and oftentimes that most enjoyable is due to the level of play, the NCAA implications in it, so that will be our third question. And then we'll end with the lineup choices to watch. Who's playing one singles where double choice, doubles choices, even in the, you know, the lock schools such as, spoiler alert, but the Ohio States of the world. They have fascinating lineup decisions that should be played out this weekend that I know you, Chris, me, Matt, are all going to be watching for. But let's start at the top. As I mentioned, the locks this weekend. Only 15 sites played for the men. Uh, the 16th site not needed because the, the 16th place goes to the host school. That, of course, being the University of Wisconsin, as this year's indoors are in Madison. But we do have 15 other very interesting regions to remind you listeners. The ITA does their kickoff draft at the end of the previous season. So the rankings for who gets to host comes at the 2019 year-end rankings, not uh, at the 2020 start. Uh, th- that draft also took place last year, so at those times, you know, the schools get to pick based on the order they finished, where they want to go. You project things such as freshmen, yada, yada, yada. Of course, we covered all of that when we recapped the kickoff draft all of those months ago. That being said, let's start off the top. Chris, I believe I got your list, and I think you had, what was it, nine locks? Something like that? I think eight. 
Okay, eight locks. Let, let's go through the obvious ones, and I, w- I want to go Chris, then Matt, uh, because I say this lovingly, Matt, you did not send me your list, uh, although I imagine yours isn't very far off from Chris's, as mine wasn't either. Let's start with the ones I think we're all going to agree. Ohio State, Florida, Baylor, UNC, USC. Locks, right? Those five sure things, Chris? Yep, they're in my, those are five of my eight. Yeah, I, and I, you look at the schools challenging them just to go through uh, quickly. And again, all of this info can also be found not only at the ITA website, but of course at Chris's website, collegetennisranks.com. Uh, you start with Ohio State, Utah, Tulsa, Purdue. None of those seem particularly troublesome for Florida, USF, Fresno State, Temple, uh, for Baylor. They've got Louisville, New Mexico, Gonzaga, UNC, Georgia State, Old Dominion, Elon, unless something true, you know, goes really bad for them. You imagine even without a Seguin, maybe they could still get the job done. Uh, For USC, UC Santa Barbara, Santa Clara, UNC Wilmington coming to them. Uh, For TCU, uh, I think was the... uh, Did I mention TCU yet? I haven't. We'll get to that in a little bit. But for those five, starting there, Matt, again, any concerns out of any of the schools I listed there? No, I I do not. I agree with Chris. I agree with you, Gruskin. I think those are absolute locks. Um, I would be shocked... I mean, completely and just utterly shocked if any of those five teams did not make it to indoors. Yeah, and you can tell in the teams that are going to their regions, and this is why we're not going to spend much time on these regions. These are the heralded programs coming into the season. These are the teams to beat. Everyone saw their rosters coming back even before for Baylor. Brooksby got onto their roster. Uh, you know, in Ohio State, Florida, Baylor, UNC, USC, those are teams we talked about throughout our college contender season uh, series as quarterfinalists, semifinalists, maybe even potential national title winners. So, of course, all of them locks for all of us. All right, moving to the next locks. And we do have a couple more locks, but this is where I think things get a little trickier. And I think, Chris, I went with nine locks. I know you went with eight. Um, TCU, I threw in as a lock. And I know they have Notre Dame coming there, Arizona coming there. In their first match, they're playing Florida Atlantic. But after what we saw from TCU in their first week, Chris, I was buying all the hype of your college contender series. I believe TCU is not a lock for you. It's one of yours in the close region. Why did you not have them as a lock? Yeah, I mean, I I think to me, lock mean to me, a lock was there's absolutely no way that they're they're losing. I TCU, I really like, obviously. Um, the only reason I didn't say lock is on on a good day, a, a bad day for TCU and a good day for Notre Dame. That's a dangerous match. Um, so I I would not say it's an absolute lock that you know that they beat them. Yes, they should win. Uh, on top of that, throw in that they didn't play a couple guys in their match against Arizona State, and that was not like it was a cupcake match where you could afford to just sit guys. So, uh, you know, I did, I had told you before I I had reached out to Roditi. He did, you know, I did hear back. It's not nothing, no big deal. He does. I don't know if those guys will be playing this weekend, but the guys that sat, it wasn't like they, you know, were in, had huge injuries or were not there or anything like that. Uh, he said they'd be fine. Uh, I don't know what that means for this weekend, but so if I combine the fact that, yeah, maybe a little lineup question and a, a potentially dangerous Notre Dame team. I put them in my – they're really close to a lock. They're in that next category of they should win for sure, but a minor chance at an upset there. 
It's interesting because Notre Dame, despite losing to Kentucky, something we talked about when we recapped the first week of ITA action on our mini-break podcast, uh, that loss influences, I think, the fact that of about a seeds region we'll talk about later, some of those early week action. But yeah, for Notre Dame, I feel like, Matt, this was a team we expected to compete in the ACC, maybe not at the caliber of a UNC, but certainly in that 2-3-4-5 cluttered range in that conference. And yet, I, I still, after what I saw, saw from TCU, you mentioned that, Chris, 5-2 in their first match. Uh, you look for them, they took the doubles point for me, and I think early for this TCU team, because there are so many young contributors in their singles lineup, that's something that I'm going to circle as so important for them, but I, I just, I, I like TCU right now. I, I think this Notre Dame team, despite having a bunch of returners coming back, I just don't think they have the firepower that TCU does one through six. Yeah, guys, I mean, I, I'm with Chris on this one. I just, I think... I think there is a chance at, at a possible upset here. Now, it's not that wouldn't be my pick, my expectation, but I, Notre Dame is a really solid team overall. I mean, they've got good players, and I'm not sold on TCU the way that you're talking about them, Grusk. And I know what did they beat Arizona State without Ponwith, without Rule? That doesn't do much for me. Um, it, that doesn't really show me all that much. So I think there is a chance if Notre Dame shows up and they play really well like Chris mentioned, and of course, if TCU doesn't play their guys, um, I I would not be shocked if for some reason Notre Dame came out of this site. Um, but again, it's not my expectation. I just think it would happen. You know, it could happen. Um, so I, I cannot consider this a lock. Chris, you talked about the lineup choices earlier, but this kind of bleeds into question four. For this TCU team, what do you expect to see as their lineup this weekend? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I just expect to see I, I, whether Kruger plays or not. It doesn't concern me as much. I would have expected to see him uh, in the lineup, but with the with the three freshmen that they had brought in, um, I kind of expected to see all three of them up up in front. So Kruger could play five six, or he could be out, and and Sander Young can play. But but I still think we're going to see uh, pretty much the same lineup we saw when they played Arizona state, but I expect to see Jirasek this time who did not play. Who's one of the three freshmen, talented freshmen they brought in, in addition to Fernley and Paralek, uh, you know, and then obviously you've, you've still got, uh, you've still got Famba up there and you've stuck, still got Alistair Gray up there. So between the three freshmen, um, Famba and Gray, I, I kind of think that's one to five and maybe Kruger six, but if it's not Kruger six and it's Sander Jong, Jong at six, that's, you know, that's fine too. Uh, I would just like to see uh, Jirashek get in there and, and, and play this week. All right. You guys convinced me. I'm taking it from lock to not a sure thing. And again, this Notre Dame team made the national indoors last year. We saw them there. That's a veteran experienced team. They have a top five player at the top of their lineup. I'll take it with you guys. I'm with you. That's fine. We, I'll take them out of the lock category. Okay. The other ones I think we uh, agree on, or at least I know we're on your list, Chris. Texas A&M for me. Uh, you look at where they're going in terms of this week. Uh, they go, or they're hosting Georgia Tech, Oregon, South Alabama. No brainer to me. Uh, you feel the same way, Chris and Matt? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a lock. I-, I have them in that category for sure. 
yeah, it's going to be fun to see that team again. A lot of returners for them as well. All right, a team we haven't talked about at all this offseason, the UCLA Bruins. I know they were on your list, Chris. I go and look at their roster, what they did through this first week of the year. They only played one dual match. It was against BYU. They won that match 7-0. They went with the lineup of, I think, Smith and then uh, Nanda and then freshman Drew Baird at 3. Uh, they then, I think, played Goldberg at 4, had Zaraj at 5, uh, which given where they were at last year, that's surprising. And then Connor Hans coming back from injury, playing six singles. That's a deep lineup. And you look at who they're playing. Uh, they're playing host this weekend to San Diego, UCF, and San Diego State. I throw UCLA not only in the lock category, but I, I mentioned this at the end of our last podcast, I think for the College Contender Series, Chris, this is a team I really like. Yeah, and, and I threw them in the lock category, and, and honestly, I probably could have put them at this in the same place that I had TCU, and that is, yeah, I expect them to win. At, there's no doubt I expect them to win. San Diego is – and Central Florida is not bad. UCF's not bad. San Diego's got a decent team. They still shouldn't be able to beat UCLA. I mean, a lot of things would have to go wrong there. Uh, but San Diego is not – they are a good team. But I still think, yes, UCLA now with bringing Drew Baird in, uh, which obviously they lost Cressy up from the top. But so they bring Drew Baird in, who's going to play three, I'm sure. Uh, and then getting Connor Hans back uh, and, and him at six. Zaraj, is, as you had mentioned, got moved down to five. He honestly hasn't been playing that great, um, which I think is why he's probably there. But he's that's still going to be a ridiculous good five. Um, so I, yeah, I really I like their I like that team and I, I like their chances a lot to come out of here. I think it's going to be a, a very tough ask for San Diego to go and beat them. A lot of different ways they could go at the bottom of their lineup. Guys like Roscoe Bellamy, Eric Hahn, uh, Bryce Pereira, Matt Salokian, uh, Max Vild, all guys we saw at the end of last season in different roles. Matt, what do you think about this UCLA team? Yeah, no, I like them. I, I definitely like this UCLA team. I think they are a lock. I'm going to put them, for me, in the category of a lock. Th- there's no way they're not going to come out of this. Um, th- there's just no way. Chris mentioned San Diego. Definitely a tricky team. I mean, they're always, I feel like around this time of year, they you know they always go somewhere at the kickoff weekend, and it's like, eh, keep your eye on them. They could be a little bit dangerous, but, but not really. I mean, when you've got Keegan Smith, you've got Govin Nanda, you've got... Drew Baird and, and guys like that. I just, they're, they're going to come out of this. So um, yeah, no, I, I think they're a very good team and, you know, could potentially be a top 10 uh, type team this year. Yeah. And, and we'll get back to the, Oh, I guess we could do these lineup questions now for these teams. Cause we probably won't talk about them much. Uh, I think for the top teams, we, since we've talked about them before, we don't have to again, but just to recap for Ohio state, is it going to be McNally? Is it going to be Cash at one? Is it going to be Seelig then? Uh, is it going to be Boulez? Who's who's filling out their roster? It's not that all of those guys aren't talented. It's just what's the order they're going to go with. And they've gone a couple different directions thus far. Trotter in one time. Trotter out one time. Uh, doubles, of course, they have new teams for Florida. We talked about it on a recap of last week. It's the bottom of the lineup. Uh, you know, what are they going to do? I think lineup-wise, Baylor, UNC, USC, no questions, really. It's just, are we going to get to see all of their guys playing uh, for the first time this year? And then we talk about our last team. Uh, the last lock I know on Chris's list, the last lock I'm sure on Matt's list. Uh, a team that I'm, I think we have to make a lock. There's 
There's no question about that. And that, of course, is the number one team in the country, Texas, who knocked off Florida earlier this season already in Gainesville. Uh, a great win, getting wins at the bottom of their lineup from all of the freshmen, but at six singles. Uh, they sweep five of the six singles flights after dropping the doubles point. There's no doubt there's the favorite, and I'm very, very certain they're going to advance. But the FSU Vandy Indiana little region, it, there's a reason those teams were willing to go there at the beginning of the season, and it's just that I know these freshmen looked good in their first test, but they are still freshmen, Chris. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I mean, any anything can happen with with freshmen, right? But I mean, Florida State, uh, I mean, th- they're in they're they're in the same boat. But to use you know a, a Gruskin phrase, they're they're like you know like they're like a point six Texas, okay? <laughs> <You know? laughs> they've got okay, they've got, and and I can't even go as far as to say you know you got Edo and Sigsgard for Texas, you've got Nath for Florida State. I can't even get to two, uh, but but yeah, it just. It, it drops off towards the bottom and, and Texas is just, you know, head and shoulders better across the board. So, uh, you know, it, it would be, you know, it would be an upset of epic proportions uh, similar to, you know, Louisville beating Virginia um, to, for that to happen. I don't, I don't see how they pull off that many guys beating, uh, you know, they're, I, even if NAF somehow beats Ito and they win doubles, they still got to get two more guys. I, I I don't see how they how they can do it. And that's assuming they get past Vanderbilt, which is no guarantee. Yeah, like I said, Texas is in my locks category. But Matt, it's I'm just saying FSU and Vandy, if if Texas goes four two this weekend, would it really shock if two of the freshmen take losses, let's say the doubles point or, or the deuce points just aren't going their way. Plus a lot of doubles points still stuff to figure out for this Texas team. Would it shock you, you know, if they get pushed to four two this weekend? Well, Four two, yeah. So what? I don't care. They're a yeah. lot to win. I mean, they're coming out of it regardless. You know, uh, Jalief plays two. You know, behind Naf at Florida State, there is no possible way that Alex Naf is going to beat Ito. So I know Chris just mentioned that that ain't happening, Chris. So yeah. <laughs> I, I just it, this is this is Texas all the way. They're in a lock category for me. Um, they will not lose. Yeah. I think that's a fair summary, and I do want to give a shout-out to guys like Martin Joyce, uh, Chichi Huang, who else am I forgetting? I know Elliot Spaziri's in there. All of them participating in our bracket, uh, our Turnitopia bracket challenge for the Australian Open. While neither, why neither of you have come on the mini break is because neither of you are. So uh, that's why you're both in the penalty box right now yeah. for professional tennis. Someone asked me like 20 minutes after the Australian Open starts, did you fill out a bracket? Oh, you know, am I, am I your supervisor, Chris? I'm not sitting. I didn't even know there was a bracket, man. Ruskin, (laughs) this is your responsibility. Okay. We're we're blaming you. you. Side up, man. Come on. You you guys had plenty of fair notice. Have you scrolled through your Twitter feed as often as I do? So I am neither of your, I mean, I suppose I'm, I'm your pod parent, although how the rules have changed. To both of you, uh, that I'm supposed to be the mature one telling you guys what to do in any scenario is a bold choice by both of you to make. Um, nevertheless, uh, yes, I, I, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the idea of me saying Texas not a lock, bold. That I love that their roster is participating though in our tourneytopia. So shout out to them. Okay, now it's time to get interesting. Now let's talk about those regions. Obviously, there are teams we haven't mentioned yet, so some of you may have been able to surmise the ones we're about to talk about. But let's talk about those seeds, those hosts that we have on upset alert this weekend. And I think the place we have to start is with Chris Helios's Mississippi State Bulldogs. And to say they are on upset alert would be disingenuous to the term upset. As we mentioned throughout our college contender series, they lost their Fab Four last offseason in Nuno, Trevor, uh, I can't believe I'm already, uh, Strali and oh, yeah. Nick. Yep, you got it. Yeah, yeah. See, I know you guys still near and dear to my heart. Despite this, them me not getting those names out quickly just shows where my mind is at. Which again, why you thought I was going to remind you to do anything right now? Jokes on you guys. Uh, but I think this is the region we have to start because everyone will circle them as the upset pick. Everyone did during the ITA kickoff draft. It's indicative of the schools that they're competing against this week, and it's really a gauntlet. The teams coming down to Starkville, Oklahoma, South Carolina. And Georgia. I mean, not only are they getting two fellow SEC teams to get an early sneak peek at what those lineups look like, that Mississippi State, Georgia, Oklahoma, South Carolina first round matchup that we're going to see there on Saturday. I think this is the region of the tournament. Uh, it's your hometown, Chris, so we'll start with you. Yeah, well, I mean, the only upset that's going to come out of here is if one of the top two seeds actually comes out. I don't know in all the years I've been doing this, that I've really ever seen a region. Yeah. Because of turnover, you always have a top team that loses several people and they're not a favorite, but to have the top two teams be the two underdogs, I, you know, it, it would be, it would be an upset if either the top, the one or two, which is Mississippi state or Oklahoma won the first day. I mean, South Carolina should handle Oklahoma. Georgia should handle Mississippi state. Now, that's obviously not what I want to see happen, and I will be in attendance to watch. But, uh, but I think that's—I mean—that's—that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, so the the real question for this region is who wins the South Carolina Georgia match on Sunday, uh, and and that's that's the question. So the only person who's going to be leaving this place surprised by an upset is you, Chris, and you're going to be surprised by how upset you are at the results. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, quite the college tennis historian I would like to be yet, but I can't in history remember an ITA region being decided by the number three and four seeds in a region. That could be the first time that's ever happened, right? It seems like it. I mean, I, I, can, I certainly can't remember that being the case. Yeah, Bobby, if you listen to this Bobby Knight, of course, who I'm referring to, let us know if that isn't the case. Uh, but Matt, you look at the team, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi State, Oklahoma. I think there are a lot of question marks surrounding each of them. If you had to say who has the best player on paper coming into the region, it's probably South Carolina with defending NCAA singles champion Paul Jubb. You look at you know top to bottom, the most depth, it's probably this Georgia team. Coach Manny Diaz knows how to recruit, and he's reloaded this roster with more and more talent. Uh, uh, my question to you, and not to be disrespectful to Mississippi State or Oklahoma, but who's your favorite entering this weekend? Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be South Carolina for now. And and I don't know. I'm interested. I'm going to be, you know, keeping a very close eye on this region because we're going to get that SEC matchup on day one, Mississippi State, Georgia. I want to see how that goes. And then, of course, if we get the expected Georgia-South Carolina match on Sunday, um, you know, th th these matches are going to kind of help us determine a bit of the pecking order in the SEC. It's going to be interesting to see how those results fall out. 
Um, so I'm going to go with South Carolina. I just, I like Jub. I like their top four really all together. Those top four, I think, are, are really pretty good. Yes, you're right, Gruskin. Georgia may be a bit deeper at five and six. Um, but I don't know if I just, if I fully trust Georgia yet. They're pretty young. I'm going to roll with South Carolina. You look at this Georgia roster, not only do they bring in freshmen in Baptiste Anselmo, uh, in Eric Dravilis, uh, in, I believe, Tyler Zink, uh, but they have a lot of returning starters as well. Robbie Loeb, he's been as high as number one in, in the country in doubles. He's back on the roster. Phil Henning, uh, who ended his season really well, obviously has played uh, high in the roster thus far this year. He's back for his next season. Blake Kreuter, Trent Bride, they're all back for their sophomore season. Seasons. There's a lot of depth and a lot of talent, and I would argue going into this weekend, you know, I think we have seen this Georgia team play thus far in 2017, uh, in 2017, where's my head at? In 2020, you look at it, they have played one dual match on the season. Uh, it was, in fact, when they knocked off Kinesaw State uh, on January 20th, so you're not going to learn too much from a match like that, but I feel like this is the team with maybe the most lineup questions heading into the weekend in terms of, you know, setting the standard of what we think as as a media that they can achieve this year. I mean, I, I will be interested to see what Georgia throws out for a lineup. Um, I, because I mean, Manny could go a, a lot of different directions, especially with, uh, with the freshman he's got and, and the way that Henning has started the year after having, after ending it in such a disastrous fashion uh, with his ankle last year. Uh, coincidentally enough, at Mississippi State, uh, so he'll be back where where that happened, but not on the same court. Undoubtedly, uh, that was on court five. I expect him to be on court one. I don't know if that will be the case or not. Uh, and honestly, I didn't even look at that lineup for, that they played at Kennesaw State, so I'm not sure what he did for uh, uh, for a lineup there. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of expect to see. Henning and Bride uh, yep. at, the, at the top of the lineup for them. And I think it should be Hen- Henning one, Bride two. But I'll tell you that if that's, if that's what Manny's thinking too, that it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing uh, to, eat, to, to flip them and, and avoid Jub with Henning. Um, so, you know, it, that could be a strategic thing or it could be legit based on how he's feeling. He could think now nah, that's, you know, I we're playing Trent at one, but I think we see Henning one bride two. I think we'll go Tyler Zink three, probably Anselmo four, uh, Loeb at five. And then either Gravilius or Blake Kreuter. I mean, I, I, I want to say Gravilius Kreuter had a great fall. I still don't, think he's probably in there though uh but but we'll see i but i think i think that's the lineup and yeah they're they're deeper uh than anybody else there and and i that's going to be uh, a big question if it is them against south carolina can south carolina can south carolina's five and six beat Loeb and gravilius i don't think so um so, so you're going to take georgia chris yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I am just because I think Georgia wins five and six. They're all, they're always good in doubles, but South Carolina is no slouch either. It, I, I, but I think they, to me, they get those two, 
I'll say South Carolina takes one, but that's only one lock to me there. I think South Carolina probably gets two as well. Um, in which it, then it then it kind of comes down to an even match between you know three four and dubs, but yeah, it's a, I think it's a really close toss up and and just to be contra- contrary to you, yeah, I would kind of want to lean to the more established team, which is probably South Carolina, but I think there's more firepower that if these guys come out uh, like they're capable of, that Georgia might be it. So yeah, I, I think I'll take Georgia to come out of the region. Okay. I learned my lesson last year. Don't take Mississippi State during the indoors. So I'm not going to take them. I'm not going to take Oklahoma to be contrarian to the two of you. I think George is the pick. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I believe we get a lot of the same players last uh, back from last year's South Carolina team that gave Virginia all it could handle in that round of 32 match. But you look at the fall results for this Georgia team. I mean, in Eric Gravelius, who we're talking about, borderline five or six player, he went 16 and five. He's won his last nine matches. Phil Henning, 13 and five. You know, for Blake Croyder, he's top 100 right now in the ITA rankings. Only a nine and seven uh results for him thus far on the year in singles but still Trent Bride Tyler Zink those are two of the top American prospects to come out uh, and go to college over the past couple of years this is it and in Robbie Loeb you have a guy who played on the Georgia team that made the semifinals my senior year of college 2017 I can't believe Robbie Loeb was a freshman uh, given how well he was playing at the time then he was the guy who lost the clincher to Boyden of UNC in that NCAA semifinal uh, it's a team with depth. It's a team with talent. It's a team with senior leadership. It's a team that's experienced after probably, you know, the one of the worst pro, uh, seasons in modern Georgia program history, certainly maybe of the 2000s. This is going to be a hungry team. And you, you, I just, I really like this Georgia team on paper. I will very much looking forward to seeing them in action. And for now, I am also going to take them to come out of the region despite being uh, the number four seed. Any final thoughts on that one, Chris or Matt? No, I think we pretty much hit on them. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I'll be watching that site. A lot. Yeah, and that's not to be disrespectful. Again, South Carolina, they can play. So if they come out of yep. the region, that won't that won't surprise me at yep. all either. Um, all right, let's move on again to another. Let's start with the two fun ones, and then we'll get to the two top seats. Uh, Tennessee, they're hosting Columbia, Oklahoma State, and Arizona State. Chris, was there a, this on your list of upset close calls because you like the rosters of Columbia, Oklahoma State, and Arizona State in particular? Is this a statement about Tennessee? Why is this an interesting call to you? Well, I mean, I, I still I think Tennessee has got to be the favorite. The problem is that that those those teams are all good teams. I mean, and it was behind Mississippi State was the next biggest picked on region, right? I mean, that filled up right away. Uh, I, they only went to like you know I don't know twenty two, twenty three, something like that. It was it was them and Mississippi State that everybody jumped on right away, and uh, you know they really only lost. Timo Stoddard, which obviously that's the number one spot in the lineup. Um, but they they didn't lose a lot. There's, Tennessee is still a very good team. The problem is Columbia was a really good team and still is a really good team. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to – you definitely can't make them a lock, which is why – and I don't know that I would, you know – I still feel like they'll come out. Oklahoma State got a lot more dangerous, bringing in Dominic Kolofsky from uh, from Arizona State. So uh, to go with Votzel up top, they're 
they're they're a very deep and strong team. Arizona State, depending on the health of Ponwith and Tim Rule, right, can be dangerous. This is one where I I think in my mind it's more interesting than the Mississippi State region because I won't be shocked if any of those four teams comes out. I'd be maybe a little surprised if Arizona State made it out. I don't I, I just I don't think they'll make it out, but they it wouldn't blow me away. But any of but Tennessee, Columbia, Oklahoma State, any of them could make it. I still think Tennessee is is the best team in the region and they're playing at home. Um but you know, you, you never know. So I, I think that one's a little more interesting than than the Mississippi State, just because there's uh, I don't think it's a two team region. It's a it's a three and a half to four team region. I completely agree with your logic there. I would say, Chris, at last year's National Indoors, the team we might have been most surprisingly impressed with was probably that Columbia team. And, you know, that team lost two big contributors in seniors, Victor Pham, who played, you know, doubles as well as two singles, Tim Wang, who was a rock for them over the last four years at the bottom of their lineup. But they still have a ton of talented players, guys like Jack Lynn, Adam Ambrosi, Jackie Tang, uh, still to rock, uh, to rock throughout the lineup guys like Austin Huang as well uh it's a really talented Columbia team and of course they are entering their first season with a new head coach as well after I believe it's Bid Gunaswaran was there for as long as he was uh you know guys like Alex Kaiser uh in their lineup now they've got a couple of freshmen as well uh it's a really interesting team so I, I think they will certainly give Tennessee all they can handle Matt your thoughts on this region who's the team you're looking at Yeah, no, this is upset alert, guys. Let's just be honest here. Columbia should be the favorite. It's indoors. I know they're in Mm. Knoxville. Tennessee, uh, excuse me, Columbia is the better team here. I took a long, hard look at Tennessee's roster. I I don't love it. Chris, you mentioned Timo Stoddard leaving. That's a big loss. And they didn't really bring anybody in to replace him. So everybody else is kind of sliding up. I don't think they're very deep. I think Columbia is better down below. And I think up top, Columbia can also compete. So for me, this site is being played indoors. We know Columbia is a very good indoor team. They're much better indoors than outdoors. I'm going with Columbia. I think they make it out of here. I just, I think they're better than Tennessee right now. I I really do. I like that pick a lot. Chris, your pick for this region? Yeah, I I mean, I, it's hard to disagree with what Matt's saying. I mean, the Columbia is, they're a very good team and they are a much better indoor team than they are outdoors. But, uh, you know, I'm an SEC guy, so uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stick with my my guy my guys down in tennis in Knoxville, and and I'm gonna go with the Vols. I like that. I get to be the tiebreaker again in this scenario. Not to write off Oklahoma State and Arizona State because those are both very good teams. I <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Matt. I like it. Let's roll Columbia Lions. They were just so impressive last year. You're right. The that this event, some of these sites being played outdoors, Knoxville, not one of those places. That it's indoors will benefit a Columbia team that only plays matches during the dual season, uh, dual match season at home indoors. They've got the experience. Yep. I really do think that Columbia team, had they not matched up with Ohio State, could have pulled off an upset against one of those teams in the round of 16 last year. Yeah, I'm with you, Maddie. Let's roll Columbia. Go Lions. Uh, something I say quite frequently as a Detroit Lion fan. But, all right, one other seed before we get to our top seeds. Stanford. 
Really interesting region for them. They have Cal, Miami, Tulane coming out to Palo Alto. It's an event that's going to be played outdoors. You look for Stanford. Uh, they lost guys like Mike Janender or Samir Kumar from their lineup, but they bring back Geller and Rothsart at the top, and this they earned a 4-0 win early in their season against UC Davis. More importantly, in the number two seed Cal, who brew, a, a dark horse team this year to maybe compete to get to a round of 16, depending on what region they they end up in. They bring back a lot of the talent they had on their roster last season. They played Stanford really close twice last year. They lost 4-3 in one of the duels uh, after taking uh, after not taking the doubles point, and in the other one, they lost 4-2 after taking the doubles point. Chris, is that a factor for you? I, I know uh, we talked a little bit about this Cal team before. I see them really as the only threat to Stanford. Could you see a world where they pull off the upset? Yeah, I mean, I can see a world where where Stanford doesn't make it out. I don't think it's a it's a, a big world, but yeah, Cal could beat them, and I and and I wouldn't go to sleep on either of the other two teams there in uh, on a bad day. Uh, I mean, b- both Miami and Tulane. Look, Miami's got they've got some serious talent there if they play to their abilities. Uh, got to see probably a little a little more closely uh, watched than than most may have been this weekend because they played liberty uh but uh, <laughs> but i was watching that lineup they're playing boyan yankalovsky at five that i mean and you know okay they got dunlap at two that's a stack he doesn't he shouldn't be at two but yankalovsky at five is he's a really good player and they've are and soriano's good at one bastias is good at two uh, well, except they're playing them at three now, um, you know, and then they're playing Hannah Stab, the Arizona State transfer uh, at four. That's a good team uh, that's, that may give Cal a, a run for their money. Uh, and then even in the first round, Stanford, Tulane's not completely deep and it's going to be it's a tough ask of them because their strong spots are the Stanford strong spots. But they've still got more in Erland Bush at, at one and two two good players. I'm not sure they can play with Ge- Geller and Rozart. So I don't think that, you know, I don't really see any upset happening there, but it's still a, uh, on a bad day, that's a dangerous Tulane team. I would never, never take them lightly. Uh, and then, you know, so they're going to get probably a little bit of a test on, on the first day. I don't expect it to be much of one. I think they'll win that fairly easily, but then, yeah, I, I can see them getting a good test from either Cal or Miami. It should be Cal. But I'm telling you, don't go, you know, don't sleep on Miami. It's a good team. Chris, the reason you have an open invitation to come on any college podcast we do here at Crack Rackets, the vitriol in your voice, that Bojan Yankalovsky, which horribly pronounced, I'm sure, is playing five singles is just ridiculous. You're one of six people in the country who would know that name, uh, two of which, you know, his parents, the rest, his teammates, even some of his teammates are like, yeah, no, no, but I'm saying even some of his teammates are like, who? Bojan Yankalovsky? Oh, you mean Bojan? Oh, of course, yes, he shouldn't be playing five. Um, no, but that's just, that's golden content from you there, Chris. Matt, your thoughts on this region? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with Chris, and, and by the way, I know I, I know very well who Yankalovsky is. I watch a lot of tennis. <laughs> the guy is very good, and, and Chris is absolutely right when he says he should not be playing number five. That is a stack. Dane Dunlap should not be playing number two. Chris hit that right on. Now, Cal is a team that on paper 
looks pretty good. Like, man, this team could, you know, we could get excited about them. But don't you guys feel like we always, every year we talk about Cal in the same same fashion where we're like, yeah, they could cause some upsets. But then whenever it's crunch time, they always fold. They never win the big matches. They don't make it to the round of 16. They don't host. They don't get that top 16 seed. They're always just on the outside looking in. I'm going to go with Stanford here. I think it is a mild upset alert. I mean, those other teams have good players. And if Stanford doesn't play well, I would not be completely shocked to see an upset. However, I don't expect it to happen. I think Stanford will end up getting through. And, you know, I, I, I expect to see them in Madison. So here's the thing. For Cal, they're in a, a conference where it's UCLA, USC, Stanford all day, all the time. And so that, that hurts their rank. If you're taking those three losses in that conference off the bat, the three highest ranked matches you'll play, that hurts you. There's no d- doubt. That being said, for this Cal team in particular, it's that they bring back everyone. Brum, Barreto, Kikuchi, Malloy, Hoffman, Draper. They're all back this year. They didn't lose a single starter from last season's team. And you're right, the fact that this Cal team has been so close so many times to that round of 16, Matt, when you're at the end of your college tenure, you know, guys like Paul Barreto, I love, uh, you know, really nice college player, probably not going to be going pro. Um, And if he does, it's a testament to him. Uh, But these sort of things weigh on you. And so to play a conference foe this early in the season, that hurts a Stanford team that will rely on some young talent at the bottom of their lineup. Uh, that being said, I think I agree with the sentiment of both of you. I think I am going to pick Stanford. I don't feel bad going with the host team since I took the upsets in Tennessee and Mississippi State. And you just got to play the odds. There's not going to be, you know, five, six, seven upsets. There's only going to be two, three, four. And I don't think Stanford's going to be one of those regions where there is. But it's a really interesting one. Um, and so I, I think that's all on that one. Last low seed, and I think you guys only put this as a non-lock to make me happy, Illinois, who hosts my University of Michigan Wolverines, Texas Tech, Old Miss. This is one of those Friday-Saturday regions. Uh, I'll stay silent, and I'll let you guys talk first. Chris, then Matt. Was this a leave-them-in-the-non-lock category out of mercy to me, or is this out of actual concern? Well, so, so it's, it, it's, it's definitely not out of mercy to you, it's more out of, my God, if they win, I can't say Illinois was a lock and hear it from Gruskin. So, <laughs> All right, well, then I'll do it, Chris. Illinois is a lock for me. <laughs> Illinois is an absolute lock. There's no way that they lose at this site. I'm just telling you guys right now, I promise you, Illinois will be in Madison. They're not losing at home in Champaign. It's going to be a raucous crowd. We know how it is there at Illinois. It's a cool, it's a cool place to play. Um, Ole Miss doesn't stand a chance. I don't love Texas Tech. And I've seen Michigan play this year. They lost to NC State. I did not love what I saw out of them. I think Illinois is just better all the way through that, that lineup. They will be in Madison. Lock. So we litigated the Michigan thing on the Mini Break podcast. We did recapping week one and that 4-3 loss they had at home to NC State. They've won all three of their doubles points they've played. This is an Illinois team that I don't think has played any dual matches yet. Of course, they, like this Cal team, bring back all of their starters, and that's why they're the favorite, to bring back all of their starters and play at home against likely a conference foe. And as you mentioned, in Urbana-Champaign, which is, if you haven't gone, one of the best, if not the premier environment to watch a college tennis match in all of the nation. Yeah, 
I think the argument speaks for itself. I feel like it's hypocritical if I go in one sake to saying, can't Illinois challenge Ohio State for a Big Ten title to then say, well, if Michigan challenges them, can't Michigan also challenge for a Big Ten title this year? And I'm not ready to say that. So I'm going to ride with Illinois and hope that I reverse jinx the shit out of them. Um, but in the odd case, I don't. I imagine you guys are going Illinois as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to take Illinois, but I, I I legitimately would have kept them out of the lock category that Maddie's putting them in just because that, you know, they're they're still taking. Who do you think can beat them, Chris? Say Uh, it. Say it. Okay. I think they can win the doubles point. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I got to watch two of those doubles teams play really, really well in person. So they absolutely could win the doubles point. Now, no, I'm not going there. Fenty's not being beating Kovacevic. I mean, that's, nope. I'm not gonna. I'm not going there. But um, can Seymour beat? Uh, well, it's not Seymour actually. Can Styler beat Alex Brown? Okay, nope. it's going to be tough indoors, but I think that can happen. Um, Zeke Clark and Seymour. That's um, a battle. Good match. That, that you know that could happen. Um, Connor Johnston, oh, well, we got to see, see what they play, but I expect to see Connor Johnston against probably Monsey. Um, that's a battle. Eh, maybe. Um, and then, you know, and the, I mean, Illinois is going to be favored slightly in every one of those matches that they come come to after that. But at like five and six, I don't think they're – I would say that Illinois is favored in them. Would I Do I call them huge favorites in each of those matches? No, I, I mean, I, you know, they probably win it 65, 70% of the time, but that's so still. What, leave, what's the formula other than the doubles point for Michigan to beat Illinois? Where do the three singles come from, Chris? I, I, I just think any, anywhere except for one. I mean, I, I think, I think they're going to have a hard time winning at one, but I, I think they can get potentially. I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a minor chance, but. I would say that, you know, I think Connor Johnston, that's going to be a backboard match right there. If it's Johnston and Monty, my God, we'll be there for three hours. Uh, <laughs> no one's hitting the ball out of the court. Um, that, that'll, we'll be there all day for that match. But I, I think they can get that one. Um, I, golly, I really, I really want to say Styler, but golly, he, he, Gave away that match uh, at NC yep. State, uh, but I really it was his think... first college match. It was his yeah. first college match. Yeah. And now he's going to go, now he's going into a he's going into a drunken barn now. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, so I don't know what he's going to think of that. I mean, yeah, his first college match, there were like ten people in the stands. Now he's going to like hundreds of drunk, and they're not even all college students. It's a bunch of people from town too. I mean. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be. And we say that affectionately. Super loud and rowdy, and uh, you know, and and they're all over you. I mean, he. We'll see. We'll see what he, how he takes to the uh, to the fans getting on him. So yeah, it's honestly the formula for them probably is that they've got to win down low, Maddie. If they're going to win, they probably have to get doubles, and like four, five, six, or three, five, six, or you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Hey, I'll take I it. I've again, I don't see it happening, but I think that's how they get it. Right. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm just not picking. It. No way am I picking that one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm <laughs> not picking it either. I'll take Illinois. 
I'm not making a pick on this region for personal reasons, but I think we all know where my heart lies. Um, but I've just decided to uh, forego any any decisions that involve Michigan because the bias overwhelms me. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's a fun region. No, no doubt about that. Anytime Illinois hosts a college tennis event, watch us. We just totally jinxed it. Ole Miss is coming away with this region. So that's my pick oh, no. there. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But okay. <laughs> Now comes the really fun stuff. Now we have two top seeds, two bedrocks of 2010's college tennis on, I think we can call, definite upset alert this weekend. Let's start with the one that's a little less close to home. Wake Forest hosting Kentucky and Penn State as the two and three seeds in their first match. Not to be disrespectful, Wake Forest will end up taking on ETSU. Um but I think Kentucky gave us one of the upsets of the first week when they went uh, to Notre Dame and knocked them off. This Wake Forest team has a lot of questions. One of them finally answered. We know for certain via Wake Forest's Twitter that Borna Gojo is not coming back this season. Now, that's not surprising, but it does help make things a little bit more clear. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. Is Wake Forest a significant UTR favorite, and are they on our upset list more because we don't know exactly what their lineup's going to look like, or do you legitimate think, legitimately think one to six this Kentucky team can hang with them? Oh, I, I, I think legitimately Kentucky—I mean— I'm not so sure about Penn State. I don't get to see them. You probably know, uh, have a little more insight from from Big Ten territory than I do there. Um, So I'm not sure what that looks like. But should Kentucky beat uh, Penn State the first day and and get to match up with them? um, Yeah, I I mean, I think Kentucky can, I think they can hang with them. They're going to have, they're going to have a little trouble, but I say that, but Wake is just not that deep, so I don't know that they'll have trouble. But for sure, Draxel and and Botzer, that's going to be a great match. Uh, I, I I I can see them uh, I can see them having just a, a, a fabulous match there. Um, yeah, I mean at the 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 other freshman Diallo who clinched for them at Notre Dame at four. Okay, uh, I think Kentucky can hang. Do I think they're a, do I think they're going to you know? Would I pick them, and are they favored? No, I, I I still think Wake probably manages to to come out here, but they're not a they're not a prohibitive favorite, and they are definitely uh, on on upset alert. It's it's going to be a very interesting uh, very interesting match, I think. Uh, and that is again, that's if it's if it is Kentucky. I don't know that it's going to be Kentucky. It, it could be. Uh, it could be Penn State. Penn State, I know, came on last year. They're they are the two seed. They they could give them a run, but but I don't know them as well. I, I'm just gonna. For me, this is more about what does Wake bring? What what do they look like? I mean, they're gonna get. Uh, you know, we know we're prob- we're gonna see Botzer at one. We're gonna see. I'm gonna. I expect to see the freshmen at two and three in Body and Squire. Um, I don't know. Maybe we see Squire at four and not three. Uh, but we'll see. And then, you know, Melios is in there in the top four. And then who, who knows what they put up at five and six. Uh, I, I really kind of hope, especially after we had the, the interview with Bresky that, and he was so high on how Eduardo Nava was playing. I hope we see Nava in the lineup. Um, I mean, he's a senior. He's not gotten to see a lot of action. He's been through a lot of injuries. He's been evidently playing great. I would love to see, 
him play and and to give him the nod over you know an incoming transfer like like Robert Maciag, uh, I, I would I would like to see that. And I, so I think Banthia probably plays, and then it's a question of who's the other one? Is it Nava? Is it Maciag? Is it Kungu? Is it Solomon? Lots of choices. They just have so many choices. It's <clears throat> it's going to be. They are still better down low. Um, they're just not as you know. Obviously, when you lose Petros and, and Borna, you're not you're not the lock up top. So uh, one two is not not nearly the lock they used to be. I still think they're the stronger team, and they come out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <clears throat> Yeah, it, it's notable that they've had Squire and Nava playing above Kungu and Banthia thus far. I mean, it was two matches against Coastal Carolina and Tennessee Tech, but in terms of lineup rules, you know, Coach Bresky can only make certain adjustments based on where he plays certain people. So that has been interesting to see. Matt, what are you? how are you feeling about this Wake Forest team, given, you know, it's the post-Petros era? How are you feeling coming into this kickoff weekend? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not feeling nearly as good about them as I did the last several years when you lose. You know, we talked about this in our college contenders pod when we when we did Wake Forest, but they are not the same team. I mean, there's no question about it. This is upset alert when Kentucky beat Notre Dame in South Bend indoors there. That, that's a tough place to play. That opened my eyes a little bit about Kentucky. And so now I'm very interested I do expect them to beat Penn State. Um, you know, Penn State to me just just doesn't have enough. You know, it, Notre Dame is better than Penn State, in my opinion. So if Kentucky can beat them, I think they're going to get through Penn State. And we're going to get the Wake Forest-Kentucky matchup. And I think that could be really, really interesting. Now, I, I'm not going to pick the upset. So I think this is upset alert. It's one to watch for sure, but I'm still going to go with Wake. They're at home indoors they play really really well at home historically wake forest is a tough team to beat when you're on the road and i just think guys like kungu banthia at five and six they've been around i mean they played in big matches i think they're going to be a little bit more reliable down low i'm just i'm gonna go with wake here but i will be tuning in you can you can bet on that because kentucky showed me a lot when they took out Notre Dame in that fashion. So I think it could be a really good match. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we are all aware uh, if Chris's predictions are never far from the listed UTR, we all know that there's one deed and it's Matt never picks against the seed. Um, and I think that's fair in this instance, you know, even though uh, this Kentucky team did get the early win over Notre Dame, Wake Forest is the defend, you know, defending national finalist, NCAA champion the year before that. Guys like Foster, Efstafalu, Kungu, Banthia, Nava, they were around championship cultures these past two years, and I just am not ready to write them off this early in the season, even though they haven't really been tested yet. You know, they have three different doubles teams really to figure out after losing Gojo, Hrisokos off from last year's lineups. Uh, that being said, I'm rocking with Wake. I think uh, you are as well, Matt. Chris, where are you leaning for this one? 
yeah, I'm I'm still taking Wake. I there's I still think they're they're too strong, but you know, this this is exactly the kind of match Kentucky needs to really get people's attention if if they come out and you know, even if they play a four three match and lose, you know, they'll get a lot they'll they'll garner some attention from people. So I it'll I'll be interested to see how that plays out, but I still think Wake Wake wins it. Yeah, and look, uh Barbots are spectacular, but so is Liam Draxel, the freshman Canadian who's coming and playing number one singles thus far for Kentucky. And that's a name I promise everyone in college tennis will know by the end of this season. All right, last region to go, and right as we are approaching the one-hour mark, so that sounds pretty here good. Yeah, here we go. This is the one upset he may be comfortable picking. We, of course, are now going to talk about our final host this weekend, the University of Virginia, who in Charlottesville brings to town uh, the number four seed Memphis, number three seed Utah State, and the number two seed in their region, fellow conference opponent, and of course, winner last week at in Ann Arbor over the University of Michigan, the number two seed to NC State. Now, when these teams played last year, it was a really close match, Virginia taking a 4-2 decision. NC State took the doubles. Virginia then gets three set wins from Nakashima, from Weirsholm, from Gianni Ross in the middle of that lineup after Alexis Galarno knocked off Carl Soderlund 7-6-6-2 at the top. Look, NC State brings a lot of their roster back. Virginia, they do not. Nakashima, gone. Weirsholm, gone. Ashwin Lizan, who was up 6-0-5-4 when the match finished, gone. Uh, so it, it's a brand new ball game, and we don't know the exact health of Carl Sondland heading into the weekend. Um, unfortunately, I have not heard from P- Coach Pedroso yet, uh, but that's a decision uh, that, you know, this Virginia team, uh, even without him, they, they have a lot of new players in the bottom of their lineup. This NC State team goes to Ann Arbor, wins early in the season. They know exactly what they need to do to get the job done. Uh, Chris, this is the obvious upset alert of the weekend, right? Outside of Mississippi State, this is the other obvious one. Well, I mean, yeah, well, again, the Mississippi State's not an upset. That's a, that's a, that's more, you know, that's going to happen. It would be an upset if they won. But this, I, you know, I, I would say, yes, it's the obvious pick. I still think, I mean, I think with everything going on, as long, as long as Soderlin can play, um, you know, I, I, NC State's coming off a big win at Michigan, feeling really good. Virginia taking the horrible loss at Louisville, knowing they need to turn it around. Um, and I think the, and the, their guys are just better than what they showed there. They're going to be back at home. I Yes, they're definitely on upset alert. I still think that, the you know, two through six, they're the better team uh, straight down the line, every single one of them. So it would be to me still an upset, not a, not a monstrous upset, but still an upset if NC state won. Although I will say, and you know, NC state, they, but I want to say they could, yeah, who knows? I, I, I'll take that back. Who knows who's taking the doubles point. They lost the, you know, the brothers that from last year that were so good. I don't think they didn't get the doubles point at Michigan. Did they? So they didn't get those point at Michigan. Yeah, I, doubles is a toss up, and it could be what decides the match. Who knows? But I still think, uh, I still think Virginia's just a little bit better after that one spot. The one spot to me, uh, you know, Lexi and, and Soderlund, and that's if it's a healthy Soderlund. If it's not a healthy Soderlund, it's Lexi for sure. Could be anyway. Uh, but I'll even I'll give them that one and still say 
Virginia should be able to get four of the five singles at two through six. Now, you know, they should have been able to sweep them at Louisville and didn't. So you never know what happens. But uh, I, I still think, in my mind, I'll take Virginia. Now, I know Maddie's going to take his, the NC State guys. but And but, and I was going to say, Matt, give me your two choices with Sonalyn, without him. How does, you know, what does this match look like for you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And I was just going to get to that. I think it does make a difference. Without Carl Soderlund, if he can't go, um, this is, NC State will win. Um, I, they will. I promise you, if Carl Soderlund doesn't play, NC State's going to win this match. Now, if he does play, to the point that Chris made, I mean, it, again, that knocks everybody down a spot. They get a little bit deeper. Soderlund, we know how good he can be. I think that makes a big difference in the fact that they're at home. They're coming off that loss to Louisville, like you guys mentioned. I think Carl Soderlund playing in the lineup could be just enough to, to tip the scales in Virginia's favor, like, like Chris is calling here. Um, but I'm going to go with NC State. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack. We know what we're getting with them. We know their lineup. They beat Michigan on the road. Um, I think doubles is a toss-up. I could easily see NC State winning the doubles point. And if Soderlund does play, uh, Alexi can, can beat him. Um, he's that good. So I just I think this is a prime upset pick. The only thing that that gives me a little bit of pause is what you guys mentioned, the fact that they did have that terrible loss. What are the chances that they lose two in a row? You know, they lose to Louisville. They lose to NC State, two ACC opponents. You know, I just at home. What are the chances of that? Probably not very good. But again, there's question marks. We don't know about Soderlund. So I don't like Virginia's team without him whatsoever. Give me NC State. I called it once and you guys laughed at me at, at Michigan. So you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. No, I like the pick, Maddie. I, I think everything you said without Soderlund, NC State may even borderline on a favorite entering this match, just given the continuity of their lineup. Yes. Uh, I'm going to not pick on this one either. I mean, I feel like whenever, for these two teams in particular, all of my biases have been worked up. So maybe if I just stop making picks, act as neutral arbiter. This is a clear suck up in your direction. I mean, it's not not even to him. It's, uh, it's to the gods. I don't want to tempt them one way or the other. Um, Carl Soderlund's a senior on his last year on the job. There's no way he's not playing this match. Matt, you're right. You don't lose to the ACC twice in a row, and an ACC opponent twice in a row if you go to the University of Virginia. That means something. Even though I didn't go there, give me the who's. Um, I think that is fine. So that is all of our regions up and down the lineup. Now, we've talked about lineup choices to watch, so I think we can scratch that question. There is one last question to be asked, though, and that, of course, is your most interesting region. We've talked about all of them, but Matt, then Chris, the region you will be watching most closely is? I've got two of them. I mean, so for me, it's the Mississippi State that we talked about. All of those SEC teams, I want to see the pecking order and how that goes um, in Starkville. So I think that's a very interesting region. And then also the Knoxville, the Tennessee region. So we've got four really good teams there. I mean, Tennessee, Columbia, Oklahoma State, Arizona State. I know Chris mentioned he wouldn't be completely shocked if any one of those four, you know, made it out. Um, I think that's a super, super interesting site to keep track of. So I'm really going to have my eye on those two. Um, but of course, I mean, all of them, right? It's a kickoff weekend. What are we going to be doing? 
Well, we're going to try and balance watching some Australian Open as well. God help my internet feed. I'm going to get a message from Comcast. They're going to be like, what are you streaming? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, I'm sorry. I have seven Australian Open replays balanced with six six-by-six six courts because i got to watch all six at once. So, yeah, there's like 47 tabs open on my screen right now. Get over it, computer. Um, so I agree with you there. Going to try and watch all of them, but Chris, you didn't let me cop out of that last one. So the one, other than the one you'll be at, uh, the one that you'll be following most closely on your phone. Yeah, so, well, I, it'll start tomorrow, actually, for me. Uh, I, I actually will be interested to see what goes down in Champagne, um, I, And that's, that's one of the Friday, you know, there's only two Friday, Saturday uh, but we won't get the good matches really right until, until the second day. But, uh, and that is the wake and the, and, and the Michigan, uh, Illinois regions that play Friday, Saturday. So yeah, of course I'll be in Starkville watching that. Uh, I'm like Maddie, so I won't go into it. The Tennessee definitely to me, the most interesting, just because all the way through four super solid teams. Uh, but I think in addition to that, yeah, I'm a little, I'm, I will be interested really more on on saturday i'll be paying probably more attention to what i expect to be a wake forest kentucky match uh and what i expect to be an illinois michigan match those two to me are the ones i'll be uh, really keeping an eye on uh on saturday and then and i'll throw a, a a bonus pick in to the stanford region i like all four of those teams out there so that that's another fun one to watch i, I mean i think stanford gets out and it's probably a stanford cal final but still, I mean, four good teams that, you know, uh, some, wouldn't shock me if, if there was a surprise one way or in, even if it was just a first round surprise, Miami over Cal or, or Tulane over Stanford, you know, something could happen that wouldn't shock me totally. No, I like all of these picks. Um, if I was to pick one dark horse we didn't pick, I am eager to see, A, what a full tilt UNC team looks like. We haven't seen them go Blumberg, Seguin, Rinky at the top, all three guys in the lineup, and pushing Josh Packer, Brian Cernock down to four or five singles right now. That is a scary thought, uh, given how good the, the heels have looked to them. And then seeing Jensen Brooksby hopefully get his college tennis uh, debut under wraps uh, this weekend at Baylor. Uh, those will be two other things I'm looking for. You know what? Again, we haven't really had a big enough sample size, so I feel like we talked about these top teams enough. I'm going to save our top five till next weekend, until we get the full sample size, so listeners be anxiously awaiting those. Uh, but we've got a really fun weekend of college tennis ahead of us, and so again, if you are trying to keep up with any of the action, be sure to check out our website, CrackRackets.com, Chris's website, CollegeTennisRanks.com, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You're never going to need it more than when there are you know, seven. 70 different college matches going on at once. So be sure to follow at Cracked Rackets, at College Tennis Ranks, at Matt underscore Stack, at Great Shot Podcast for all of your updates throughout this weekend. Again, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, uh, the mini break podcast for all of your Australian up, uh, open updates. Look, we'll be able to balance the two. You guys can as well if you're following along on our podcast where we try to make it as easy for you to keep up to date with all things going on in the tennis world. Of course, got to give a shout out first to our friends at Aerobar, uh, the tennis-specific 
energetic energy bar, um, more potassium than a banana, more delicious than any of the other garbage you're putting into your body. And more importantly, rain, sunshine, whatever, it's not melting on you. It is always going to be in delicious eating conditions. So of course, if that appeals to you, be sure to go check out their website, get 30% off your first order with our promo code cracked 30. Uh, check out our friends at diadem, diadem tennis strings, racket technology. Uh, again, the racket is the wand. And so you're only as good as you are comfortable with your own racket in terms of producing your best tennis. If you use our promo, promo code CR50, you're not only going to get 50% off your first order, but if you keep using that code, every order you have with diadem. So go do that. And of course, last but not least, shout out to these super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff. Yeah, they've got to produce and edit Australian Open pods every night, but guess what? We throw college tennis at them, and it doesn't matter because, as always, they have a of a job to do, and they do it darn well. Uh, Matt, Chris, I'm sure our text thread will be bouncing off the chain this weekend as we try and balance all of these different tennis results, but uh, any final thoughts from you guys? Let's start with you, Matt. Let's get it going, guys. I'm excited for this. Kickoff weekend's always fun. There's so much tennis. We know there's going to be a couple of upsets. Um, it's just going to which ones, you know, is it going to be? So I'm ready to roll. Chris, here's your chance to get some professional tennis in. Give me 30 seconds on Iga Swatik. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we don't let you know. I'm just kidding. But any final thoughts from you, Chris? Golly, Bruskin's going to ask me about, you know, I, I'm not even going to say anything politically incorrect. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I mean, yeah. Hey, let's. I'm with Maddie. Let's. I can't wait for the kickoff weekend to see all the action. Gets us headed towards. I mean, gosh, it's only. What are we? We're only like maybe three, three weeks maybe from indoors or something like that. Three or four yeah. weeks. I don't even. I don't even know. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna get going really fast here. So I uh, can't wait to get going. Yeah, we are so excited for that. Well, then one last time for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt the Cracks Dekoyak and Chris Halliors, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for our friends at Aerobar and Diadem, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, Matt, let's see if you remember what podcast we're on. What do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. Great shot. I love it. We got it right, and we will see you all next week. Enjoy your kickoff weekend, everyone. (laughs) 